You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yeah, Tommy's here. Uh, Aaron's here. The show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for Windows, call now. Call before Sunday and you'll save big 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell them that I told you to call. Oh, my God, Tommy, did you see last night John Elway, Joe Montana, and Dan Marino all rolled into one? Oh, my God. I mean, Patrick Mahomes put him in the Hall of Fame already. Did, have they done the 30 for 30 yet on him? Oh, my God. That, that Last night, I thought Joe Tessitore was going to get down on his knees in front of Mahomes and and do things that we can't really describe, although actually we can if we want well, on yes, this we podcast. Could. And by the way, it might be better than the actual telecast of Monday Night Football if he did. I talked about this last week or the week before. It's a terrible broadcast, although I, I will amend one quick thing. Jason Witten and Booger McFarland's analysis of what's going on in the game if you can get by the fact that Witten's sort of soft-spoken and, you know, Tessitore is just over-the-top, exaggerated all the time about everything, the analysis is actually okay, but these guys should be on the C-team on CBS or Fox. Isn't it hard to believe that that's where we are at Monday Night Football, that yes. that's the best that you can come up with? Well, Monday Night Football isn't what it, what it used to be either, but still, uh, ESPN you know, is is the gold standard for sports broadcasting. You would think you could do better than that crew. I'm going to tell you, Tommy, last night watching that game, and, and we'll get to the game because it was a good game. And, and Mahomes, he's got talent. I'm not suggesting that he's not talented. I'm not suggesting that he wasn't really good over those final two drives. But what an embarrassment. The, the, the elevating this guy's stature in his fourth start – to being like the greatest quarterback that we've ever seen play. He throws a pass on the final drive with his left hand. Honestly, you would have thought he was parting the seas. We've seen quarterbacks throw with their opposite hand. Favre has done it. Elway's done it. I remember Montana doing it from the po- I mean, uh, Marino doing it from the pocket. Montana doing it. Listen. Oh, I- my God. It was disgusting to listen to this broadcast last night with Mahomes. He's a good player, but let's not. he's not a Hall of Famer yet. Can he play a few more games before we put him into Canton? Good God. I threw with my left hand at J.M. Hill playing Sandlot football, so it has been done. (laughs) That's because you were amphibious. Yes, I was. Uh, Look, this is the the ultimate uh, uh, proof that we live in the age of immediacy. I mean, what's happening right in front of us is the greatest thing in the world. Ever. And what happened... You know, I used to argue like uh, anything that happened before ESPN started, people don't care about. Now it's five minutes ago. I mean, so that that's look, he has done he's thrown more he started out throwing more touchdowns, I think, than any quarterback in history at this he, point. I, I understand that. But, I mean, you know, so, so, but, but touchdowns but, in passing and everything is way up through the first know, four weeks. I know it is. It's I, like home runs during a steroid. It, it, it feels like it. It yeah. feels like something's wrong. Like yeah. the, the, the the they're they they're messing around with the uh the uh the the ball air pressure or you something know, like that. that. That's, that's there possible. should be an investigation. It should be. Um, But seriously, I'll be the first to say this, Tommy. After watching the Chiefs for the first time last night start to finish, 
I'll be the first to st- to say this because apparently nobody at ESPN, as a part of that broadcast, was going to say anything other than this is the most dynamic, the most creative, the most incredible team, and the greatest quarterback we have ever seen in the history of the league. But I'll say this right now: they're not winning the Super Bowl. No chance will the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Their defense is bad. Really bad. No defense that bad wins the Super Bowl. And number two, I'll just say this now, Mahomes, he's not going to be an MVP this year. He has talent. He is creative. He extends plays. He's He's got a gun for an arm. I mean, and a quick release. He's you know, got the all the... a former major league pitcher. I know. He, you can see the talent that he has, but... He's going to have some games like most rookies have. He was terrible for the first three quarters last night. He was inaccurate. He was late. He wasn't reading the field. He was rattled. And then with the game on the line, I will concede he was outstanding. Although they got away with a huge third down conversion on the game winning drive with the play clock having been at zero for like a full second and a half, and it didn't get called. Should have been a delay of the game before a huge third down conversion. The NFL admitted the mistake after the game. They don't they don't usually do that. But that one was right there. ESPN had the play clock down to zero. The ball hadn't been snapped. Um, but I don't know. Come on. I mean, he's not this this so far looks like a young, promising, talented quarterback. Like in the last few years, we've had several of them. Andrew Luck who had injuries. RG3 was a transformational player. <laughs> Mahomes has a lot that I like a lot, but the over the top, you know, his nickname, he's got a nickname already. Really? Showtime. <laughs> I didn't know it before last night. Did it, you? It didn't exist before. That was entirely created by the ESPN broadcast. I don't think it's catching on oh, based yeah. on Twitter Showtime. Uh, reaction. Oh Showtime God. Mahomes. This was Tessator all night long. He's an embarrassment. Oh, he really is. Oh, it's he is just. I'm waiting for him to say at some point, my eyes have seen the glory. You know, it, it, it's 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 a tough tough listen. You but know what? Let's for a second. He uh, he's a he's a terrific young quarterback. He's he's not yet Montana or Elway for a second. But let's just bring this. Let bring it for a second and compare it. I know we don't like to compare uh, the Redskins to other franchises because it's embarrassing to do so. Uh, but let's compare the two uh, Native American-related franchises here, the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> they're Native American-related? And, and, and the Redskins. Really? Okay, I didn't okay. know that. So, so they're in the same family with the Braves? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's look at how they're, they, com- they, they handled the, the transition at quarterback over the last two years and how they prepared for it and how Andy Reid prepared for it as opposed to Bruce Allen. I mean, well, look what the Chiefs did. The Chiefs had Alex Smith. This is a column. I can feel it. In, in his, in it's his, a good one. In his co- coming off his career year. Yes. His career. But had a kid that they drafted the year before. They traded up to draft. They traded up to draft. They knew who they wanted. They went and got him. They had a quarterback in place that they knew was going to be expensive at some point. But they had somebody that they were grooming. So they let they traded the quarterback coming off his career year. Okay, and and got a third round pick and a starting cornerback, uh, and made way for this young quarterback who is now the you know the you know preemptive MVP of the league already. I mean, compare that to what the Redskins did. 
Compare that to, to to. You mean paid a guy a franchise tag uh, for two straight years and then got nothing in return? For yes, him? nothing in and return. Then and then to replace him, the guy. Then to then to replace him had to give up a third, their best young defensive back, and tear up the guy's contract and give him a, a contract extension. Actually, they didn't tear it up; they just gave him they an, just a, gave an, an extension. extension. Yes, it would. It putting the two side by side makes one look really smart. And the other look really dumb. Yes. By and, the and way, that, and that's that looks, accurate. Yeah, and, that, and they look really dumb, even though they were lucky to get Alex Smith. Yes. Uh, and they still look really dumb. No, look, you know, it's a really good point because I, I've had this conversation with people before that say you were so adamant that they were doing the wrong thing, but then you also basically complimented them for the Alex Smith trade. And I said, yes, both things can be true. Yes. I mean, they're, they're not mutually exclusive of one another. The Redskins completely botched the Kirk Cousins handling. No matter what you think, even if you're absolutely convinced that they were right, that they shouldn't want a, a long-term relationship with this guy, then they should have traded him when they could have gotten something back for him. And, and then be, maybe and be, yes. and then maybe they could have drafted Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes or perhaps this year Baker Mayfield or somebody else. It wouldn't have been Baker Mayfield. Um, but they could have potentially had the 49ers first-round pick. Um, from from this past April. The point is, is Tommy is 100% right. The the Chiefs handled this, and let me also just throw this one thing in that, that benefited the Chiefs' situation. And people don't like to hear this, but it's true. The Kansas City fan base was not clamoring for Alex Smith to be their long-term quarterback, even after last year. They all felt that there was a limited, that there was a ceiling to Alex Smith, the playoffs. That was the ceiling. Yeah. All of their fan base. So they were ready for something new. They were ready for something new. You know, Tommy, when that trade happened, there, there, was, there was not much of a fight put up by Actually, the Kansas City media base or fan base. Just the opposite. I agree. I mean, they think they, that, that they got over on the Redskins. Completely. Like the Eagles and that, did. With and McNabb. that doesn't mean the Redskins didn't no. get a good quarterback. No. It, it, in fact, th- 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 so let me finish the one thought that I had. The reason the Redskins trade for Alex Smith was a good trade in my view is, first of all, I had gotten to the point where I did not want to pay Kirk Cousins $30 million a year. And and by the way, he accepted 28 from Minnesota. He would not have accepted more likely than not 28 from here. He didn't want to be here. He didn't want to be in an organization that was he felt wasn't a good organization, didn't want him, and offered him basically you know, $30 million less than, than the market dictated. But, but what I was going to say is this. They do have talent on this roster. We've talked about this. They are positioned here to potentially, if things go go right, and certain things don't get in the way, which they typically do here, to make a decent two, three, four-year run of being a playoff kind of contender with the defensive talent that they have in particular, but they would have not been in that position this year or next, in my view, without a legitimate top half of the league starting quarterback, and Alex Smith, Smith is that. So that's why I felt like, this is a good trade. You had to give up a lot. You're paying an aging guy, but he's the kind of guy that doesn't look like he's really aging. Um, he's still very athletic. You had, I felt not. You didn't feel this way. I just felt that if they'd gone into this year starting over from scratch with, or it's starting with Colt McCoy for a couple of years, that that was a losing proposition. The argument you could have made is. 
I would if if somebody said to me I would have preferred that they had used their trade bait Kendall Fuller and a third to move up in the first round and take one of the young quarterbacks and invest in the future at the position and I would have said okay that's fair but understand this with a talented roster not an overly talented roster but a growing in talent roster you probably wouldn't have been able to make any sort of serious headway this year or next with a rookie quarterback? Well, yes and no. I mean, we're only talking about a talented roster on one side of the ball. You still have a, you have, defend- a, you have a talented and, offensive line. Okay, I know and, that. And you've but, got but Chris Thompson posi- and Jordan Reed. And I mean, uh, you have some. They're, they, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not void break, of talent They're breakable. On they're breakable. Okay, but they're not totally void of I mean, of they, have, on offense, they have on no talent on offense that you can look forward and say, Oh boy, the next two or three years, those guys are going to be really good. I mean, the one guy they have is Darius Geis, and he's hurt, and he's going to have to come back from an injury, and we still haven't seen him play in an NFL, a real NFL game yet. So I think the argument, the same argument why they can be competitive this year with Alex Smith, is the same argument why they, I think they could have been competitive with Colt McCoy at quarterback because they don't need much offensively. If the defense is as good as we think it is, they don't need much offensively. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Yes, the they only do. Time it's, it's, they do. It's not. It's not. It's no, not the best defense in the league. I know it's not the best it's defense. It's just much in the better than it's been. But the limitations are the same. They can't fall behind. Whether it's Alex Smith or Colt McCoy, they can't. Fall, Alex Smith call, gives them a much better behind. chance than Colt McCoy would have given them. I don't a think much it's a, better chance. Well, I'm not going to get you, into that. My point is the the this talent you're talking about to me is on one side of the ball. It's why they'll stay competitive, but they but in any game. They can't fall behind by two touchdowns. Speaking of talent on one side of the ball, just getting back to what started this conversation, um, the Chiefs are just loaded on offense. But they're the opposite I, of the Redskins I, I, in Oh, I know. Sense. Kareem Hunt. Well, the, the, look, let, uh, let's not turn the Redskins' defense at this point into the 80, 85 Bears I, I because they're not. What they are is they're so much better than they've been, which is why you'll see significant improvement in performance, statistically, et, et cetera. And they're young, so the idea here is that they're going to continue to get better. Yes. And they can add pieces to the defense, but they're not ready to win 12 games. No, they're or not. Like, like Jacksonville did last year with a defense only. No, they're not I know ready that. for that. I know that. Okay. But I'm saying, I mean, if you have that Redskins defense from last year with this offense this year, you're four and 12. If you say that again, if you combine the Redskins defense from last year with the Redskins offense from this year, Agreed. you're four and 12. I, I don't disagree with that. I think if the Redskins had stayed healthy defensively last year and they wouldn't have had Deron Payne as part of the mix, they would have been a playoff team or they would have been a nine. The difference in wins would have been two to three games. If their defense had stayed healthy last year, you, might, you mean they might have won that important Giants game at the end of the year to go eight and eight? Well, it may have been a meaningful <laughs> game, and maybe they would have blown that one because, of course, you know Kirk. The only thing he does is make mistakes at the end of big games. But the um, the point is, is that once they had these crushing injuries defensively, they couldn't overcome the, the, the what, what was then ordained, which was they were going to be a bad defensive football right. team without some key pieces. 
offensively at times they were still able to overcome all of those injuries. You know, so the, you but that was <clears throat> mostly because of the quarterback. Mostly because of the quarterback. People don't want to say that. They hate saying that. Yeah. But it was a lot because of the quarterback. And also, I give Jay Gruden some credit. Jay Gruden, you know, that's the one thing he can do. He can scheme up some offense. You know, out of not a lot of things. Yeah. You know, but um, Kansas City with Hunt and Hill and Kelsey and DeAnthony Thomas. You know, Aaron from Oregon, his speed. And, you know, Andy Reid, to me, is also limited. Like, he, to me, is just never, for whatever reason, he's going to bungle something in a, in a big game in the postseason, and they're going to lose a game that they shouldn't lose. It happens to him every year in the postseason. Going back to Philadelphia, except for the one year that they made it to the Super Bowl and lost. Uh, but they are exceptionally talented at the skill position players. I don't know if there's a more difficult player in the NFL right now to defend than Tyreek Hill. And it's funny, Tommy, because he's tiny, you know, and he's a receiver, but he's also a running back. Last night, Andy Reid was doing things I've never seen done. He had plays where he had four players going in motion pre-snap. It was crazy what he was doing. He is very creative and innovative. I and and I would take him as my coach right now tomorrow versus Jay Gruden, but I I also know that Andy Reid's going to do something stupid with timeouts or with the clock or with the score and cost his team late or he's, you know, right now his defense is suspect at best. Yeah. Like it's going to hurt him and their next two games are going to really Jacksonville at home this week at Arrowhead. That's a good AFC game. Yes, it is. And then they're at new England the following week. Oh, wow. Those, those are good games. Look, the one complaint that you've read, uh, I've read about Andy Reed, uh, is one I think is, is similar with Jay Gruden. Uh, Andy Reed is supposedly great at the 15 play script. Once you get past those 15 plays, the opening script, uh, like second half in particular, not quite as good. Well, that was always the complaint about Norv. Right. Like well, Nor- Norv I, had the best opening script of any coach offensive mind in history. Well, I think you can make the case that Jay Gruden suffers from the same disease. I mean, particularly given the second half offensive woes of this Redskins team so far. Andy Reid is a cut above, two cuts above Jay Gruden, even when it comes to offense and creativity and innovativeness, you know, um, Andy Reid's a really good quarterback coach, a really good offensive mind. He really is. And, you know, when you hear people that played for him, like Brian Mitchell played for him. They, oh, I know. They all really liked I him know. and respected him. Yeah, but they all like Jay. Yeah. They but, all but, like but Jay. They, that, that, that's no measure you haven't, me. You haven't heard anybody describe Jay as some sort of offensive genius. Oh, I don't know. I think I have. Some immediate people, perhaps. I don't know if the players have, have we heard that from players? Okay, let me ask you a question. I think then. Jay's let's, a good offensive let's, guy. Let's put this to Not a, a good test. run game guy. What? You gotta have a chance to hire a head coach and it's between Todd Bowles and Andy Reid. Who are you gonna hire? Well, you know I'm a Todd Bowles yeah. fan. But I think I would probably hire Andy Reid. Knowing that you don't know the limitations on Todd Bowles yet. You don't you do know the limitations on Andy Reid. You're not getting to the Super Bowl with Andy Reid. Well then, I don't want to hire either one of them. <laughs> I mean, but you know, if you're if you're without if we if you've got a vacancy and Belichick's not available and Sean McVay's not available, um, but I 
I just last night. Come on, you know you'd hire Mike Shanahan and Elvro both of them. I would. I know you would. I I, I would <laughs> as long as he brought Kyle with him and had that whole mix. I mean, I, I don't think we ever had a chance to see the best of the Shanahan's. Like typically is the case here, you don't get a chance to see the best of anybody right here. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of the way it's gone. Um, the, the final thought on, on just the Chiefs last night is that they are really explosive offensively. They may be the most explosive offensive team in the league, although really I don't know if there's that much difference between them and New Orleans and even Atlanta offensively. Atlanta's got weapons too. I mean, Ridley, Jones, Freeman, Coleman, it's sort of the same thing, and their defense is bad. Um, but I just – Watching that last night, I would I would have never turned it off, and I don't turn down the sound. I don't do that. And the Denver crowd was into it, which made it sort of exciting. But the the from the start, the whole night was about Showtime Mahomes, and they wanted you to believe. And maybe it's just this is you know the promotion of the league right now. The ratings are up, Tommy. I know across the board. I know. You know. Um, they just wanted you to believe that we were watching the next Unitas or Elway or, or Peyton Manning. I, I see a talent, but let's just let's put the brakes on for, for a moment. You can't do that. You know who if you're going to be that? taken seriously. Al Michaels wouldn't have done that. Would not have done would that. Not, have, not, a vet, not a veteran guy. He wouldn't have done that. Summerall wouldn't have done it. No. You know, Enberg wouldn't have done it. The greats wouldn't have done it. And this guy, Tessitore, was down on his knees in front of Mahomes before he threw it. And there was no acknowledgement, or really none, although Witten said it at one point, that he's really off with Kelsey and he's off a little bit. But through the first three quarters, if you're watching this game, you're like, eh, he's all right. I mean, Denver's defense is the best defense they've faced. Um, next week, Jacksonville and Kansas City. I, I, that's a one o'clock game. That should be more of a of a prime spot game for this at this point in the year. Now, but anyway, now even though you you thought that you know the Mahomes stuff was overblown, you take him over Alex Smith, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, okay. I see the oh the potential. Okay, don't misread what I'm saying. It was more about the broadcast yeah. and the elevation of. Of him to who hasn't won Hall anything fame, yet Hall of Fame status after four starts, yeah. after three starts because it started before the game last. Night. I guess he started one game at the end of the end of last year, but um, he's got a gun. He's got creativity. He's got the ability to make plays. Like he's a playmaker, but it, he's not. You know, he's not there yet. Let's give it some time. Um, I want to talk to you about the Doug Williams. Story with what Doug Williams story? The interview that he did with Doc. What um, like the one first, the interview he did with Doc? Maybe like ten minutes after you declared three minutes, here yes. that that Dan Snyder was no longer really seriously involved could with the day to day operations. I could have been a little bit premature. <laughs> um, I want to tell you about Window Nation. Window Nation is a believer in this podcast, in me, in Tom, um, and we want you to believe. Uh, us when we tell you that Window Nation is the place to go to if you need new windows. The first to reach out to support this new podcast venture were Harley and Aaron from Window Nation. Harley and I have been friends now for a decade, nearly 10 years. Um, if you like this show, if you're thinking about buying new windows, I promise you that you cannot go wrong by calling Window Nation. They'll take care of you. 
Halloween is this month. Thanksgiving next month. Christmas is two months away. What does this mean? Winter is coming. Now is the time you need to start acting when it comes to winterizing your home with brand new Window Nation windows. If you wait, you may be too late to replace your old drafty windows before the nasty winter hits. Call Window Nation today and you'll save 50% off all styles of windows. That's 50% off any style, any size, any color of window. Half off. It's like paying for the front of the house and getting the back for free. There's no minimum. There's no maximum purchase. You start with your worst windows and then work from there. Right now, for the balance of the month, you'll get 50% off all styles plus no down payment, no payments, and no interest for over one full year. But there's more. Purchase a house of windows this week, and Window Nation will pay your utility bills until your new windows are installed. So if you call 1-866-90-NATION, that's 866-90-NATION, or go to windownation.com by this Sunday, you'll be able to purchase a house of windows, and they'll pay your utility bills until, the, until those new windows are installed. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com, and tell them that I told you to call. All right, so shortly after our Thursday show, actually, I think it was sometime Friday, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, Doug Williams was on the air uh, with Doc um, at 9 You know, I, I, I put in a call to, to Doug and I said, you need to go on the air and spill the beans, <laughs> you know, because Ke- my, my partner, Kevin Sheen, is under the illusion that things are done a certain way at Redskins I just, Park. I've, I've just been told so many times, and, and you're right, and this is why I've really missed you in my life here the last couple <laughs> years, of, of you to just say, hold on there. You know, you, you're, you're all, you're filled with spit and vinegar, ready to go, <laughs> but hold on here, I got a little experience. No, um, it was, it, so this is what happens. So... Doug Williams, in an interview with Doc Walker, said that he brought in Adrian Peterson for a workout without telling anybody. And he said to Doc, quote, he got in trouble for it, and he, and he said, quote, if my, if my mama was the president when we signed Adrian Peterson, I would have caught a whooping because we brought Adrian here and the owner didn't even know we was bringing him in. He got caught off guard, so I had to go to the principal's office. If that had been my mama back in the day, I knew what would have happened in the principal's office because you don't do things without her knowing. That's the best, that's the way this thing is set up. Everybody got a lane to stay in, and it's best to stay in your lane. At times, you can speed, it's all right, the highway's clear, but if you get a red light, you need to stop. Close (laughs) quote. You know, this is this is what I like so much about Doug Williams because he he may be immune from the infection of of Redskins Park, where you know you basically lie through your teeth about everything, and that he can't stop himself from telling the truth. He couldn't stop himself from saying that Bruce Allen told him not to answer the phone the night of the biggest trade the team has made in five years. And he couldn't stop himself by saying the owner was mad at him for bringing in a running back for a tryout. What? So I will tell you that, you know, in reading the quote here for a second straight day, something just hit me that it didn't really sit with me yesterday or didn't move me yesterday. I think Doug is trying to get a message out through Doc. I, I, you know, Doug is go along to get along most of the time, but I think he's telling you, 
this uh, this was wrong to bring me into the principal's office for this. I I don't think he's that political. You don't? No, I just think it's just his nature just to 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 tell you what happened. You know, that's just his 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 general idea is to tell people the truth. That's and, the way this I, thing and, is set up. He says, "That's the way this thing is set up." Everybody got a lane to stay in, and it's best to stay in your lane. He is the EVP of football I operations. Know. I know. He is the de facto general manager He's of this the personnel guy, the guy in charge of the players on the roster. Now, I think all of us know to a certain degree, not to st- it would be really condescending to, to refer to it as a figurehead you know, position or an elevated, you know, title that doesn't match the responsibility. But I think most people that that are uh, that really are, are in the day to day covering of the team know that Doug Williams does not have the final say on personnel. That's not what he has right. in this organization. That Bruce has the final say on all of this stuff, and that Eric Schaefer is intimately involved, almost at Doug's level. Yes, when it comes to this stuff. But I don't so – what, so, so what does it mean? So it means that the owner is involved. He's always been involved. He's always going to be involved. This is a guy who is never going to change, will never change the way he does business, which is petty, which is small-minded, which is mean. And it, that this is why the, the whole – the whole second team of business guys that they brought in. Brian LaFamina. You know, Brian LaFamina and company yeah. in the offseason, all of them should be renting because in two years, <laughs> none of them will be here. Because, uh, because this organization, as long as Dan Snyder is the owner, is not going to change the fundamental way they do business. And the fundamental way they do business is Dan Snyder's involved in personnel on the football field. I think it's funny what you say about Brian because you know uh, we've had conversations with him. I've I've had conversations, multiple conversations with him. Met with him last week. I like him. Uh, I think he totally gets what's going on here. Oh, I'm not sure he does. No. I think every oh, day. No, no, no. Hold on. I think let every me, let me day is a let revelation me, for let, him. <laughs> let me back up from that statement. I think he has a sense of what the personality of the organization was and what the default was, which was to go low most of the time. Yes. Um, and so that he wants to completely turn around because he recognizes that that is not what a service business should feel like from the consumer standpoint. But yes, you are right. I think every day he probably learns something else that is a revelation of sorts. But when you said what you just said about they should be renting, he's he's a qualified guy I think he has the right sort of disposition to, to, to get this organization back on the right footing from a business standpoint first because they got sponsors that have walked away from them. They've got a ticket-selling issue. That is a major priority. They have a massive ticket-selling and, issue. And, and it's important to remember, with all that said, the landscape for sports – First, the competition for sports marketing, sports fans has changed, has changed dramatically because in the, the last te- and the Nats over the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about entities that were not a factor before. So um, but to your point, I mean, it will only take a couple of things before it's no, nah, I don't like the way things are going now. I want to go back and do it this way, in my way. You know, the only thing that might change that is how much power does La Famina have from the league? 
I know. We both you know, said this, that I mean, we think I, he was placed spe- here by we, the we league. We think so. It's just speculation. Yeah. I have no proof or inside information otherwise. But if that is true, if that line of thinking is true, how much power does he have with the if, if the league is behind him to, to exert that over here? Because I really do think that there's a lot, there have been a line of people waiting out his office since he got hired here. Uh, you know, with each with a pile of crap that they bring into his office, and the guy probably says, "Oh, I'm glad I'm done with that." And then there's a bigger pile of crap the next day right. with a different guy. But I maybe the league office will give him the power to basically wait it out, or to basically. I just think either Bruce Allen or Brian LaFamina is not going to be here in two years. One or the two. Um, just as sort of a related topic, but not really, did you see the press release that they put out this morning about their new relationship with Entercom, with JFK? Well, with, with, with my, my station, 1067 The Fan. You it's know, me and the Redskins back me, together let again. Me, let me tell you what all of us that have been at 980 for the last couple of years all sort of said in unison. Yeah, of course. They've been sleeping with JFK for two years <laughs> behind this marriage and name only, you know, wife, and now they've decided to marry the person they've been sleeping with. Um, it, it, it's it's hysterical. You know, it's hysterical to all of us to I think that JFK was somehow at a disadvantage because 980 was the rights holder. 980, you have no idea. One day we'll share some <laughs> of the stories, but it was really incredible that the stuff that was sort of uh, not provided uh, to us and was provided to the competitor. And I might want to point um, out that anyway. you can hear me talking about the Redskins on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, yes, with Chad. Uh, with Chad Dukes on Wednesday afternoon Tomorrow from 4 afternoon. to 6. No baseball because the Nats aren't in the right. postseason. Not, no postseason. And then Saturday mornings from 9 to noon with Andy Poland. There you go. Um, two baseball games yesterday. Do you it like, was a great day. Do you like what they do with the one-game you know, tiebreaker for the divisions now that there is a wild card? Because I actually have a feeling on this, but I want you to answer first. Yeah, I, I do like it because the, uh, it, when you ha- when you play that wild card, ge- that's, a, it, that's why I like the change they made in the wild card because you don't want to be the team that loses that one-game tiebreaker and, and has to play that, that wild card, uh, well, that one-game wild card. So, yeah, it, it's an important, dramatic game. I thought it was a great day for baseball to have those games on like this. And the idea of tiebreaker games goes back in decades, goes back years. They've been doing that for years. The Red not, Sox-Yankee game, yeah, the, yeah. the Giants and Dodgers. The Giants and Dodgers was a three-game playoff right. to decide a, a, a tiebreaker uh, back in uh, Bobby th- back, Thompson. Yeah, the Bobby 51. Thompson. Yeah. Look at you. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Come on. I'm a sports fan. I know. Every sports fan knows that. I know. but, but so, so, I, so I like it. I, I like the idea. I like the games. And uh, I love the one game wild card too that 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 now exists. People will say, "Well, you played a whole season, you win ninety some games, and it comes down to one game. We'll win the division." I mean, it puts a tremendous value on winning the division. I don't have a problem with the wild card. I actually like the wild card, and it also helps at the end of the regular season where you're you know you're in the running. My my question to you though was really about. Yesterday could have been determined with just a simple head-to-head tiebreaker. And yesterday was not as devastating for the loser as it could have been. You could have had one of these division one-game playoffs with the loser being out altogether yes. and not qualifying for the wild yeah, card. Yeah, so it was very and unique. So what, And I know that they've done this forever, but now with the wild card, what I find is that 
And I went back and looked this up last last night. The Dodgers took 12 of 19 games head-to-head with the Rockies. If they had been in position, and yesterday's not a good example of it, but if they had been in position of yesterday having to win that game to be in the postseason or lose and you're out, the tiebreaker would have gone to them easily. They dominated Colorado during the course of the regular season. I just think now... I mean, I watched some I of the, the games. I think you're reaching here, Kevin. Okay. You're reaching I, for a every, reason every, not every, to like what happened Every yesterday. other sport has a tiebreaker to determine playoff teams and division but champions. But no other sport plays 162 games over the course I, of a year. I got it. But, but by the way, uh, with 162 games, that should determine that's a better sample size, much better than one game. It's better than a best of seven. And all I'm yes. saying is they played 19 games head-to-head. The Dodgers and the Rockies did. I get that. So but, the Dodgers... But the Dodgers the Rockies in, in September and August were a different team than the Rockies in April and May. Okay, look, it's not it's – whatever. I, I was just curious. It was, a great, it was a great day for sports. I'm sitting in, up in Quartermasters, my cigar place up in Frederick, uh, watching the game, having a couple of beers, eating some Roy Rogers fried chicken on a Monday hold, hold afternoon. On. In it the cigar great. bar eating Roy no, Rogers? No, it's not a cigar bar. It's a cigar store. Okay, is it right next to Roy Rogers? No, no, no. I, I went so and you got, brought, in, you brought I, your Roy Rogers in. I brought in. my Roy Rogers fried oh, chicken geez. and my three, and my three Miller High Lifes with me. Oh, that's good. And, and Thanks I for sat calling. there watching the game, and I'm thinking it's a Monday afternoon, and, and I'm watching – you know, a, a playoff baseball game. I'm eating fried chicken, drinking beer, smoking a cigar. What a great day. Roy Rogers still is, I mean, for those of us that grew up with it, still great. I love their roast beef, and I love their fried oh, chicken, oh. and their double R burgers, the yes. best. Yes, um, I love their fried, but their roast beef is, nobody else can do what they do with roast beef. No, it's that good. Agreed. Um, so the Caps open up tomorrow night. Um, they open I'll be up. there. They're defending champion, Stanley Cup champion In season. In fact, uh, Chad show. I'll be on Chad show tomorrow night. It's from Clyde's uh, right around the, the corner. Arena. Oh, good. Yeah. So. Um, so they are starting this season as a Stanley Cup champions. It's really, it's amazing that it actually happened. It was really fun to watch. I, you know me, I'm not a massive Caps fan. I'm just not. Right. And I'm not a massive hockey fan, even though I love playoff hockey. But I did get caught up into rooting for Alex Ovechkin in particular. And I think the celebration um, on the ice in Vegas after the game ended, his unleashing of like these years and years of, 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 of pressure to win it all, to get to, to live up to sort of the billing. And then the celebration that ensued over the next couple of weeks was one of the most likable things we've seen in recent sports history. Like people that weren't even paying attention fell in love with Alex Ovechkin in the celebration of that. Um, What are we – tomorrow night's going to be a big night. It will be a big night. I'm wondering if there there will be the same sort of crowds in the street outside that we saw in the postseason. I don't know if we'll see they, that for They the did opener. say there was going to be an outside they're, they're viewing party. They're having an outside okay. viewing party. So you're going to have that. Uh, you won't have those crowds, but you'll have a big yeah. crowd down there. Um, so for the moment, for the first time ever, it's going to, for a brief moment, hockey in October is going to take the attention yes. of the sports viewer in this town. Yeah. That's never happened in October before, ever. Now, look, it's great. I don't know if you are familiar with this, but uh, when I was on Chad's show during the playoffs last June, 
and they lost the first game to Vegas. I think it was six to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, didn't you in, de- in did, Vegas, did you declare it over? Oh, I, I said it was over. I said the series was over. I said if you yeah. if you score four goals against Flurry in his house and lose, you lost your opportunity. And I didn't say how long it would take, but I said when the Caps lose this series, they're going to look back on game so one. So you were rooting for him to lose, no. to be right. Yes, well, you were. Well, yes, because yeah. I do like to be right. Right. You know, uh, because I'm not used to being wrong. Well, so so you were they proceeded. Wrong on the, in they, this case. they proceeded to win the next four games, yeah. and I was as wrong as wrong can be. And the reaction. And look, I took my medicine. I wrote a column. Actually, I wrote a column saying the series was over. Then I wrote a column saying what an idiot I was yeah. for saying that. That said, the reaction that I thought was so amusing was I was supposed to apologize for being wrong. In other words, it's not, it's not enough to say you were wrong. That I, I owed somebody an apology for being wrong. Think about the concept of that. How would anybody ever argue anything if they had to apologize for being wrong all the time? I don't want to put myself into a, into a position where I'm going to have to apologize. <laughs> apologize for being wrong. How stupid that was. Two things about, to, about Wednesday night and the raising of the Stanley Cup banner. Uh, that should take away from it. Uh, one, to me, I know Caps fans have already deluded themselves into thinking that everything's going to be fine with Reards as the new coach. <laughs> Reards. But... but the, co- the coach who won the Stanley Cup, the only coach who won the Stanley Cup He's in on the history, island. it's not going to be there because he left to go coach another team. I, I mean, a Stanley Cup will cover everything that happens this year. Now, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the ultimate house money season. I mean, I think the Caps are going to be good. I think they're going to be competitive. But whatever they do is what they do. I mean, this Stanley Cup euphoria is going to last a long time. Oh, this just bought all yeah. of them. Yeah, it well, did. Well, it bought, it bought Ovechkin a lifetime. Oh, yes. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, a lifetime it's of over. never having to answer that never question. Never has to answer that question. You know, but, but I mean, I think it's diminished a little bit because the coach isn't there. I think it's going to be diminished a little bit because Tom Wilson, one of the biggest contributors to that Stanley Cup, a guy who can't seem to get out of his own way, is probably going to be suspended for the first four to six games of the season because of a preseason game, a meaningless preseason game hit. He's not probably going to be on the ice tomorrow night. He's going to be watching in the press box with me. Why why can't the the hearing, he's requested a hearing, right? Yeah. And that'll happen the day of the opener. Yes. He's going to get suspended. Oh, whether it's four games or six games, it'll be one of those. I don't know if that puts a, that doesn't diminish anything or put a damper on it. I mean, you'd like to have him as part of the celebration. Well, I tell you what, people will write about the fact that the guy's not on the ice. And, and, I mean, on a day where you shouldn't have any negative storylines, there'll be one or two. They may be small stories, but there'll be one or two. It should be a hundred percent parade down Pennsylvania Avenue celebration. Nobody feels bad about anything. Um, this is what I'm interested in, and you you could guess this is if I gave you time, but I'm not going to. I'm interested to see what the effect of the Stanley Cup. I'm is. very interested in I, I want to see if all of the sudden the Capitals in games in October, November, and December, and January, during football season in particular, regular season games against Columbus and and you know and the island well the rematch with the Islanders uh, the head to head with Barry Trotz might be something if if these games are going to 
rate much higher in terms of interest. If there's going to be pent-up demand night in and night out to watch the Caps, if we're going to have much more coverage of regular season hockey, if on sports radio it's going to be they're going to hosts are going to spend more time talking about it, not because they won the Stanley Cup, but because consumers are demanding that they talk more about it. And you and I know what that means. We have a sense, and we've had a sense, of what the right things to talk about are. And hockey in October was was a non-starter. Hockey in November, December, and January, and February was a non-starter if you wanted an audience of any significant size. I'm wondering if that'll change. I personally don't think it will change that much. I think this is what we saw was this incredible confluence of without a championship in any sport for so many years, the Alex Ovechkin story knocking off the Penguins finally to winning a series, and a young, hungry, you know, demo in town that lives downtown now, Tommy, much more so than they did 10 years ago. They live in Logan. They live in Petworth. They live in Shaw. They live in Columbia Heights. They live in Chinatown. You didn't have that 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And all of it came together, and there was this massive sort of celebration that was great for the city. But what does it mean during the number one sports season in this country with still the number one team, no matter what you think of the Redskins, they still draw the most eyeballs by miles. That game that everybody was talking about against the Indianapolis Colts that did a 17.8 locally television ratings-wise eclipsed most of the Stanley Cup Finals games that the Caps were involved in. So, But I am interested to see what will happen. Tomorrow night is going to be this one-off, this aberration. But what happens in a couple of weeks when they're playing the you know not the lightning because the lightning are good uh, they're playing uh, they're playing the Panthers on a Wednesday night in the middle of December is it, it will anybody will, will you get bigger than a four, three or four TV rating locally will people start to watch these games? Well, here's I know you like to use this as a measurement, uh, but the TV ratings have never been less reliable as a measurement okay, than they are TV now. TV rating combined with stream, combined with I mean, mobile, so, so, and all that and, and stuff. And then they can't measure that Yes, stuff. they can. Oh, no, they're, they're the, not the stream, accurately. The, the streams are, are measured now? Not accurately. They're, they're guessing. Okay. They're guessing. So, I mean, I don't use that as a measurement anymore because uh, the people in the business have no idea who's really watching and who isn't. I think if you go back and look in cities where hockey wasn't big, and then they won a Stanley Cup in places like that, like Tampa and other places like that, I think you see a dramatic jump in interest that lasts. I think you'll see you'll see an, a, a jump. How dramatic, I don't know. I think this will be a real thing. For one thing, I think it cha- it, it, it's going to change the way sports business is done in this town because I think people are going to want to be with the Caps, and the more right. people are going to want to do business with the Caps, the more people are going to want to watch the Caps. So I think... It will it will be more of a thing moving forward than it's been. I think the Stanley Cup has that kind of impact. Um, and and you know, I, I I don't know what the answer is, and and now you're telling me that there will be no way to measure it. So I you know, I mean, it's it's one part of it, but it can't be it can't be your your basis anymore. Look, the for- sport itself is a postseason sport primarily. 
in most cities, even cities that have had long-standing winning hockey teams. You know, if you take the Pittsburghs and the Chicago's and the New York, the New Yorks and obviously the Canadian city teams out of it, it is a postseason sport everywhere else. Hell, it's a postseason sport in New York. I mean, the, I'm not saying that the Rangers and the Islanders and the Devils, clearly the Rangers, haven't drawn well, but people really don't get into it until the postseason. Look, the NBA is not that much dissimilar. I know. Look, I, I know that. I you know, know that. when you play that many games. I just think as, as, as a daily staple of conversation in this town, the level's going to be raised. Okay. So that's, my, that's, that's, a, that's an educated opinion. Um, as as it, as I might point out, a professor of the business of sports media at, at Georgetown, Georgetown University, University Sports uh, Management Program. Uh, give me uh, a moment again to thank somebody else and tell you that if you've been thinking about a new vehicle, please consider Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. I've been friends with Ralph Perkins and Kevin Farish like with Window Nation, for like 10 years. They advertised on 980. Um, they were the title sponsor for Redskins at 8 when I was doing the show with Cooley. And Tommy, as you know, Redskins at 1, Farish was the sponsor for all seven years for Redskins at 1. They followed us here, are supporting this podcast venture, not just out of the goodness of their heart. They realize that we've got a, a, a good audience already, and it's growing, um, and, and they want to be a part of it. Um, but I, I, if you like this show, and you're thinking about buying something new when it comes to a vehicle, I give you my word that you'll be so happy if you go out to Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax and ask for Ralph Perkins. Yes, he's there in the store every day. They've got plenty of inventory, great deals right now. Any Jeep right now you will save big on. They're located right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph when you get there. Tell them that I sent you. You can find out everything Farish has right now, including live pricing, live inventory, by going to FarishCars.com. Kevin, I did want to add something uh, to the euphoria of yesterday. In, in addition to watching baseball all day and then some of the Monday night football game, and it was just a, a great day to be a sports fan, the best part of it was the backdrop of the pain and the suffering of, of golf fans over the Ryder Cup. That was the best part. That was like that was like you know in the background, and you'd see on the crawl, you know, Patrick Reed complaining about about his pairing, and and I'd read on Twitter all, all the angst and all the suffering and all the shame to USA for losing the Ryder Cup so embarrassingly, and that was just like icing on the cake for me. Why are you so <laughs> anti-golf? Because it's such an elitist sport. It, it hasn't been for a long oh, time. Oh, it is, too. No, it really? hasn't been well, for I a long time. Well, I tell you what, time. let's you and me go up to Burning Tree and pound a few beers down. <laughs> huh? Actually, I can't, yeah. take, I can't take you to Burning yeah, Tree. Yeah, I know that. All right, so that, that's out of the question, but... <laughs> Um, it's not been an elitist oh, sport on. in the way you view it for a oh, long time now. And Tommy, just because you don't play golf and you don't enjoy golf um, doesn't mean that people, that, that everybody that likes golf is of means. It's not true. 
It's not true at all, and it hasn't I been true. I didn't say everybody. For a long time. Well, that that's 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 baloney. It, it's it's a rich man sport. You going to deny that? It it isn't a rich man sport. Oh, it is too. And it hasn't been for a long time. It is too. That, you, you're thinking of you know a, you a period see... in which the only chance you could play golf is if you belong to a country club. Did you? That's see... not true anymore. You know, I'm sitting in a bar. Ninety percent of the golf is played publicly. I'm sitting in a bar Thursday night. I know it's hard to believe sitting in a bar Thursday night. Uh, and I'm watching the Thursday night football game, uh, but the sound is off on the other TV, and it's the, I guess, the opening ceremonies for the Ryder Cup. And I'm looking at, like, I know. I, somebody, hundreds, somebody hundreds sent me your tweet. Of, of white guys in blue blazers oh. sitting there politely clapping after another white guy <laughs> says something in front of a microphone. And I'm thinking, this is the most prep school crap I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, I will, I will concede that the whole Ryder Cup thing <laughs> is very sort of elitist in feel. That's true. It has this feel to it that is very elitist, and I—I I don't even know if it's that necessary. But it's like any of these sort of international events; they all have something that resembles that. I mean, they don't do it in billiards. Well, they—they they probably don't do it in billiards. Okay, yeah. Um, There's a spittoon that they use in the international opening ceremonies. Do you in know billiards. why? Do you know why I missed much of the Ryder Cup? Why? Because I went to Penn State, Ohio State. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I went to the Penn State, Ohio State game. I was up at State, State College. College, right? Went up Friday night, came back uh, early Sunday morning. I talked about it on the podcast yesterday. It is, it was an, a top five, top six, top seven sporting event I've ever attended. Really? Oh, it was incredible. Tommy. You've been to a lot of events. I know, as you have. But did you watch the game? Did you see the, no, the I was, spectacle? I was, I was watching my event Saturday night oh, that's at, right. at, at Strathmore. Right. You were. So. Oh, that's right. You yeah. you you the, saw the on the waterfront yeah, with the National Philharmonic. Which lost to Marty in 1955. Well, actually, I was, that was wrong. That was wrong. It was 1954, and then they won Best Picture. Oh, and uh, but Marty was the answer for Quiz yes. Show that they forced. Yeah. So tell John me Turturro about about to your... answer Marty when he knew it was on the waterfront, right? No, 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 no. Hold... On the waterfront, won Best Picture in '54. Right. Uh, we had the wrong year. We were talking oh, okay. '55. Okay, but when John Turturro was forced to give the wrong answer, he gave Mar- Marty is the answer for 1954. No, no, he gave the answer when the answer should have been Marty. Okay. So. Whatever. Let's not. All right. Let's get. Let's tell me about Penn State. That and was Ohio a great State. movie, though. Um, I, I'll just keep it short because I, I I went on for a while okay. yesterday, and if you missed it, you can just listen to it on yesterday's podcast. All of the podcasts are just there. Like you can go listen. And how to do any you show. how do you find them? The KevinSheehanShow dot com, KevinSheehanShow dot com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, any of the Apple pa- uh, podcast platforms, rate us, subscribe. Uh, we are on Google Play now. Um, I forget what else we're on. We're not on Spotify yet. Somebody said we got to get on Spotify, but it's not easy. So I'll work on that, uh, among other things. Um, but it was it was just it was. Tommy, you know how people have referred to Penn State football, and because of all of the things that happened, the very tragic things that happened, you know, it was referred to even more during that stretch with the Sandusky thing is like cultish. Yeah. There is a bit of that. Like, th- th- this football team means the world to 
70 percent of the people that were in that stadium well i'm and telling in state you college. In Penn, look i grew up i grew up in pennsylvania east stroudsburg penn state is the state is the state school? I know. I mean, everybody I knew was a Penn State fan, even though n- most of them never set foot in state college. Well, what I was going to say is, you, you remember the year I went to the LSU Alabama game down in Baton Rouge, right? And I told you that a hundred thousand were in the stadium, but an estimated one hundred and fifty thousand were outside the stadium that didn't go to the game, but they just showed up for the party. You had a lot of that in state college too, because. You couldn't even walk around downtown State College Friday night or Saturday during the day. It was in everybody's in Penn State gear. And then it was a whiteout game. So for the game, you know, in big cities, you can't get fans to, you know, all put the T-shirts on so that everybody's wearing the same well, color. Because More usually times you have not. smarter people in big cities that can't be talked into wearing uniforms I to know. games. Exactly. That's my point. <laughs> it doesn't really happen in the bigger cities. In Oklahoma City, for a Thunder game, they're yes. all you know, yes. decked out. And, and State College is this incredible small town in the middle of nowhere that has, Tommy, a more Midwestern feel to it. Yes, it does. You know, it does, in my view. Um, Not a Northeastern type of town. Even though a lot of the kids there are Northeastern yes, kids are. from Philadelphia. D.C.'s got Jersey. a big contingent yeah. in Penn State, New York as well. Um, but anyway, it was just a great couple of days, a spectacle to be there among 111,000 people. And it was loud, and it was in unison, and it was the students, 20,000 students get tickets to those games. Aaron, how many students get tickets to a Maryland football game? When I went, it was 10,000. Based on the way they've kind of moved the section around, my guess is less right 20, now. 20,000. And they, I mean... And the stadium seats 100,000? 111,000. It was a record 000. crowd wow. the other night. And... um Anyway, I, 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 basically, 20,000 means one out of every two students was at that game because it's a 40,000 yeah. undergrad number at State College. Well, now, you, now your, son, your son goes to school. Freshman, though. yeah. Right. Did he go to the game? Of course he did. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he got a ticket. I think he got the season student ticket. But you Not didn't sit got, with him, right? He, hadn't, he didn't want to have any so part of us. You didn't party with your son? Tommy, swear <laughs> to God. I, we, I was going to go to this game because my, my other son, who's at Maryland, when, when Ryan got into Penn State, the first thing we did was look at Penn State's football schedule because we were like, we're going to have to go to a game. Yeah. And we saw the Ohio State game, and we said, we're going to that game come hell or high water, whether he wants us there or not. We, my Kara went with us. My wife went with us as well. We got up there and we saw him once, <laughs> and it's because we just accidentally ran into him. You know, he was given the. Uh, I'm at this uh, fraternity party. Can we meet tomorrow morning? And then he didn't answer his phone because he didn't wake up until noon. You know, and then he was at one tailgate after another, and then we just accidentally ran into him. But we had a lot of friends up there, and it was it was a lot of fun. Good. But it was a it was a terrific game too. Really good football game. Um, I want to get to this story. HBO dropping boxing. I know you talked about it with Andy uh, on one zero six seven on your Saturday morning yes. show with Andy. This broadcast over the years, boxing on HBO, HBO Sports in general has just always for me done everything at the highest levels. But HBO's, you know. Boxing coverage over the years, Tommy, was so first rate 
was so great to watch, even if you didn't have a, a massive interest in the particular fight on a, on a Saturday night. Because to listen to Lampley and to listen to that crew call a fight and their production of the event and the way they made every event seem so big, why are they getting out of the business of boxing? Well, uh the people who run HBO uh, don't have the same passion for boxing anymore. That you know, all the guys who saw it become so big, guys like Ross, Ross Greenberg, Greenberg and others, they're long gone. Uh, you know, the landscape is so much more competitive now with mixed martial arts a- as well. Uh, so, does it say something about boxing? Well, yeah, it does. But, but it, yes, it does. I mean, if boxing was a big thing and, and HBO had this had this tradition of it they wouldn't be getting out of the business. So it's not as big as it used to be. That said, and this is somebody who grew up with, you know, uh, covering boxing during the HBO era, uh, uh, th- you know, through much of it. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny that we're nostalgic about it because this is what, like, a whole generation grew up with. But when, when boxing went to HBO, it was considered a bad thing. I know. And 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 because it means that less boxing on free TV, and more boxing that you'd have to pay to see. Right, because you actually grew up with Friday Night Fights. Yeah, and well, not on that regular far, TV, not that far back. That's that's in the fifties. Okay, what did you grow up? But with? but I grew up with. I Most mean, I fights- watched. I watched. You know, I watched Muhammad Ali fight Cleveland Williams on network TV. Wide world of sports, probably. Yeah, I watched. You know, I watched uh, th- those fights on network TV. Most of the big fights. We're on ABC or CBS through uh, through the early '80s, even up till then, uh, and uh, that's true. Except for the ones that were on closed circuit, right? Like, except the for the mega pay- fights, you had to pay. Right, you had to pay by for going it. somewhere where it but was still, televised on closed circuit. If there was a big TV. light heavyweight title fight between Matthew Saad Muhammad yeah. and Dwight Braxton, that was on a Saturday afternoon yeah. on, on on TV, and you could watch it. So the fact that it went to TV that you had to pay to watch, and I'm talking like the monthly HBO subscription fee, was not a great development. And and, and if anything now, we should be happy that boxing will probably become more and more available uh, on what we call regular cable TV now. Uh, Top rank. ESPN's had boxing for years. But but I know that. But top rank making a a big investment with ESPN about a year ago, Bob Aram's company to put boxing, to basically walk away from, you know, HBO and Showtime and just do boxing on ESPN. So while we're nostalgic about it, I think this is good for boxing in that it will get a lot of fighters a lot more exposure. Because while we loved the HBO era, uh, it limited the audience. I just would like to watch fights with Lampley, Roy Jones, and even Kellerman, and I, I don't know what you think of Kellerman, but whatever. I actually think he does a decent job on on the on the HBO uh, boxing coverage with Lampley. He's a cable access boob. I think he's <laughs> been good over the years um, doing doing fights. Look at the Lampley, George Foreman, Larry Merchant trio. That's the, that's the money know, trio. That, right that was there. the money trio, right? And Roy Jones is just as boring with, with, as with an Harold, analyst. With Harold Letterman doing the update yeah. of the of the points. <laughs> Roy Jones round by is round. just as boring as an analyst as he was as a fighter. He was a boring fighter. Oh, my gosh. Abs- absolutely. He was an artist. He just didn't like to get any paint on when he was painting. Do you feel the same way about Mayweather? Uh, no. 
No, 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 no. Floyd, Floyd was different than, than, than Roy Jones when it came to being a defensive fighter. Not, not, a, not a lot of memorable fights. There's a difference between... During the course of his career, give me the mega fight that, that lived up to its billing. What, for Floyd? Give me the, the, yeah, for the, give me the Mayweather fight that you couldn't take your eyes off of unless you were really into the art of boxing. Diego Corrales, he fought a lot of fights at lightweight before he moved up to welterweight that were really wars. You know, uh, Jorge Castillo, he fought a lot of tough fights when people weren't paying much attention to him. And then when he moved up to welterweight and beat, you know, barely beat Oscar De La Hoya, I mean, that's sort of when he got into the more defensive uh, view. But I might want to point out, a couple years ago, he boxed the ears off of Canelo Alvarez, gave him a 12-round boxing lesson. So, uh, I mean, it's a different... Like, Pernell Whitaker was a great defensive fighter. Floyd Jones was not necessarily... The same kind of defensive fight. I just have a distaste for, I think, because people uh, are infatuated with Roy Jones. I think his status in boxing is inflated. But but Foreman, Larry Merchant, who really gave it a, a credibility to the broadcast, and Lampley, who who's probably, you know, be, because we he hasn't done anything else for years, people don't realize what a great play-by-play and announcer Jim Lampley is. Oh, he's incredible. I mean, yeah, he could pretty much One do anything. One of the anything. best ever. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not crying the blues over HBO getting out of business. Do you know what I didn't know? And I don't know if you knew this. Do you know what the first fight televised on HBO was? I think I do. What? Uh, not pay-per-view. Uh, Larry Holmes, Mike Weaver. No. The, what it, it, what's given credit for the first HBO fight is Foreman's knockout of Joe Frazier. Down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier, down okay, goes Frazier. Okay, but that, that was pay-per-view. In 1973, it launched the modern pay-per-view era, which, which was TVKO, which became HBO right. PPV. Right, but the first actual real HBO fight was Larry Holmes versus Mike Weaver because the networks weren't bidding much money on it because it was thought so to be— So what year was that, 78? I think it was 78, okay. and it was thought to be a nothing fight— and HBO bid $150,000 to put it on there. And it turned out to be a great fight. Weaver almost beat Holmes in, in that fight. I think that's the first real HBO fight. But you're right. The, the Fraser Foreman was the first paper. But Cosell TV called KO. that fight. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But he didn't call the HBO fights. Never called an HBO no. fight. But, but that's why I was confused when they yeah. said that this was the first. Well, it's tough to differentiate. Yeah. It so. was. Well, you know, HBO, when it really launched, when it had sports, you know, the other sport that it covered that was a big deal then, it was boxing and tennis. HBO was a big broadcaster of Wimbledon at the very beginning when tennis was actually somewhat popular yes. in this country. What else do you have for me today? You know, news came out thanks to TMZ, the street sweepers of the media. I call TMZ. They're the ones that clean all the trash out of the streets right. when, when everybody's left the party. They've reported that a Ring of Honor uh, member for the Washington Nationals, Jason Worth, got arrested for DUI in Arizona in April uh, and basically tried to play the don't you know who I am card uh, with the cops. They've got the video where he, he, he gives some of this card you know, to say who he is and say, you know, we do a lot of work with you cops and all this. Then then he was arguing about taking the, the breathalyzer. And this all happened in April. And in September, he was inducted into the Nationals Ring of Honor. 
I've been told this morning that the organization did not know about the April arrest for DUI. It, they were unaware of it. I thought it was absurd to put Jason Worth in the ring of honor five minutes after he was done playing baseball. I would agree with that, but I would also agree that a DUI, if he was worthy of the, the ring of honor, shouldn't have been something that would have prevented them from putting him in. You know what? It, it, it should have given him pause. I mean, because this, this is a guy who, I might point out, spent five days in jail a couple years ago. For going was, 160. Yeah. On, so, on, I mean, you, yeah, you think that would be a learning experience? Maybe not, I guess. I just think, look, the beat writers got it up this guy uh, as some kind of icon. He was a very important player. Well, in the, he has the most memorable moment. He has the most memorable moment in Washington baseball yep. in probably almost 100 years. Yeah. That said... Uh, and he was important to the organization in, in inside the clubhouse in terms of uh, telling the organization how they should do business, forcing the organization to spend more money on facilities, on food, weightlifting, things like that. So he had an impact. But for these people who think he was some kind of great team leader, the Nationals didn't. The Nationals didn't get past the first down round with Jason Worth. All those years, the Nationals were considered a soft team around baseball and were punked by one team after another with Jason Worth on the roster. So he wasn't this great, you know, charismatic, tough guy leader. They were still the Nationals with Jason well, Worth. But you could say that then about Ryan Zimmerman. Yes. You could say that about Bryce Harper. Yes. You, although I, Harper I would always, say. Harper in the bigger games always came up big, and so did Jason Worth to a certain degree. And I'm not just talking about the home running game four that kept the series alive against the Cardinals. You know, the in the Dodgers series two years ago when they were down, they were down two one going into game four, or it was one one game three, had a couple of big hits. He had some big moments. I know that. I get that, but there have been other players who have big moments too, and and that he was just he he's been inflated as this mythical figure in, in this town. Look, uh, you had to have somebody other than Frank Howard, Bucky Harris, and Walter Johnson <laughs> in the Ring of Honor. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I, no, 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 he shouldn't be in a Ring of Honor, and, and okay. I mean, it shouldn't be five minutes after he's done. And it just speaks to the arrogance of the learners, the same arrogance that that told, told Dusty Baker he wasn't coming back. One last thing uh, before we wrap up the show for today. Um, Rick Jacklich is an attorney as part of the Rick Jacklich Law Group, I believe, and he's a big Maryland supporter. I'm assuming he's a Maryland alum. I've heard that name many years over, many times over the years uh, associated with Maryland sports he's, as he's an a advertiser. Member, yeah, he's a member of the Champions Club, okay, which is the, the big group of boosters. donors um, to the school. Um, and there's this quote from him about the whole situation that Aaron gave me before the show. Now, when, where was this quote from? Where did he say it? Do you know? I, mean, I know he has a podcast that he said at least one of those quotes on. I'm not sure where the uh, one... But we know that this is an actual quote from Rick Jacklich. Yes. As it relates to the Jordan McNair tragedy. Yes. Quote, as much as we hate to say this, Jordan didn't do what Jordan was supposed to do. A trainer like Wes Robinson thinks a kid's properly hydrated and runs a drill set up for kids that are properly hydrated. And when the kid didn't drink the gallon he knew he had to drink, that's going to send the wrong signal to the person running the drill. Closed quote. He also had another quote. 
as big of a tra- tragedy as what happened to Jordan McNair is to me, it is just as much of a tragedy that the president of our university threw DJ Durkin overboard at the first sign of trouble. Close quote. Well, at least we know one thing, and we've known this for a long time, that money doesn't buy intelligence. How can you, I mean, that first quote is essentially laying blame to Jordan McNair for his own yes. passing. Yeah, it's his fault. And I mean, but, and but by, this guy, but this on. guy buying into the Champions Club, I guess he thinks he has but the right look, to be able to pontificate on something like this. Look, to th- dig a deeper hole for the program. Let me let me just say that it's not impossible that he's wrong, but that is an insensitive comment, and totally unnecessary given what the final result of this was and the stories that are still coming out about the about the culture of the organization you know showing films of animals ripping each other apart to 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 uh to players for motivation i mean look i mean you're talking about you're talking about the rick mace and roman Stubbs story that was in the post on sunday i believe um and does paint sort of dueling pictures one picture, look, this was just tough love coach stuff that you get from anybody at any program at any level, and another picture of that it was completely overboard, and there were warning signs, one of which was provided by the mother, who's a preacher of two uh, Maryland players, two sons of hers, that were really impacted in a negative way by um, this tough love. And she had given the university and the coaching staff warning that this was going on and that something bad could happen. I'm paraphrasing because no, I don't have the right. story in front of me, but I read this story start to finish, and it really does sort of paint these two different pictures. You know what? I think you can finally say that Maryland football has become a Big Ten program based on the way that they ran it inside the organization. That's every bit as, as – as as noxious as Ohio State or Michigan State. Here's the thing, though, going back to Rick Jacklich's comments. Like, first of all, I mean, I'm not going to advise anybody on what to say and what not to say. That, that's, that, that, however, is a rough thing to say. Even, by the way, if you are correct, and I don't know that he is, what is now apparently factual based on the investigation of the actual day in question the day that Jordan McNair passed away, is that Maryland's trainers and doctors were negligent. They were negligent. They did not do what they should have done when they should have done it. And if they had, this death would have been prevented more likely than not. They didn't take his temperature. They didn't take his vital signs. If they had, they would have put him in an ice tub much quicker. They would have called 911 much faster. And that's the whole, you know, all of this other stuff, whether Durkin stays or go, whether there was a toxic culture or not, should be completely overshadowed by the fact that this kid died and didn't need to. It was preventable. Yes. As a parent, I'm telling you, Tommy, and I, 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 you know, I love Maryland. I am an alum. I love it. And I've... You know, I've spent more of my disposable income on Maryland-related sporting events than anything, 
in my lifetime when it comes to sort of disposable sports dollar, you know, income uh, d- dollars. But my God, like all this other stuff means very little to the fact uh, uh, to the fact that this, you know, in, w- some people jump to the gun, jump the gun on this as to whether or not it was negligence. And I, I, based on what I I read and based on what the president of the university said, it seemed like it was negligence. But the investigation proved that it was. How do you let a kid in this day and age, knowing what we know about being hydrated, about the signs of stress, the signs of of being in, in a health situation, a stressful health situation, how could they not take his vital signs or his temperature and prevent this thing? If I were the parent of this kid, uh, the fact that this was a preventable, a preventable death would haunt me to my dying day, and I would make everybody pay for it. Yeah, and I think that's one of what's going to happen with Billy Murphy as, as their uh, attorney. I think I read in the Diamondback uh, newspaper, and this was something that I raised the first week. Diamondback is the school newspaper. Yes, the school newspaper. And this is something I raised the question of in the first week. The Prince George's County State's Attorney's Office said they're, they're, they are leaving open the possibility for considering criminal negligence charges once, once the, all the investigations are complete. Well, the investigation of the death is complete. Okay, the, 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 it made it very clear that the trainers and doctors did not act appropriately. And if they had, his death would have been preventable. So that ship has sailed at this point, unless there are further investigations. The investigation that's ongoing right now is to determine whether or not there is some sort of toxic, inappropriate football culture. And that's where this story by Rick Mace and uh, Roman Stubbs, who is the Maryland beat reporter. I don't know if he if, – is he still – no, there's, the post? he's he's now just a general sports, okay. but because he was tied into Maryland, they've been having right. him work a lot on this stuff. Now, that that story, to me, and I will admit that it's hard for me to be completely objective because I don't want them to find that there was this toxic culture right. in the program. I don't want the program to, to, to be, you know, to be hurting like it's hurting. I don't. But... It painted two different pictures. It painted the picture of this is typical football, tough guy, tough love stuff. And the other picture being that they go over the top on a continual basis. And this is not appropriate anymore in this day and age. You know, football people, longtime football people will tell you it doesn't appear to them that anything out of the norm was going on there. Um, Which can't be the standard anymore. Again, not to beat a dead horse, but it it, this whole that whole part of it should be masked by the fact that a young man died and he didn't need to die, according to that investigation. That that was that that it was preventable. Maybe it they didn't do the things they should have done when he was clearly in distress. Yes, Uh, it's amazing to me. That in this day and age, knowing what we know about heat and heat stroke and the risks of football players, you know, during, you know, spring ball. And, and I know that this was a time of the year, wasn't even that hot of a day. I get it. But that that you could have this happen. And it does happen still. You know, you read about it at the high school level and at the lower, you know, age oh, level yeah. where they don't, where they're not set up necessarily with trainers and doctors to recognize, you know, these sorts of of symptoms and act on them but anyway uh man i mean you can't you can't sort of blame the kid for his death no you you, you, you can't do that Bad I, form I, um what else do you got 
Anything I got, else? I got nothing else, baby. All right. We've gone long enough. Enjoy okay. enjoy the day, everybody. Tommy will be back with me on Thursdays with me every Tuesday I'll, I'll be, and Thursday. I'll be at the Caps game Wednesday night. So, so we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about that. that on Thursday. I'm going to have uh, one or two people on the show tomorrow to talk about the beginning of the Caps season. Uh, and we'll do a lot of football uh, tomorrow as well. Redskins have a big game Monday night. Yeah. It's a big game. That, that beating of the Packers made this a game on Monday night that – for Redskin fans, for hopeful Redskin fans, this is the game. You win that game, and all of a sudden, the season is on. Yes. If you go into New Orleans and win that game. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Launch Workplaces in Bethesda. If you are looking to get out of your home, all right, uh, and not work from home, and you're looking for a place with all of the accommodations, office space, workspaces, 24-7 uh, parking, and it's free, uh, high-speed internet, all of it, uh, launchworkplaces.com uh, in Bethesda is the place to go to. Uh, it's where we're moving our studio uh, into, and, and it, it's a great spot. So give them give them a look-see at launchworkplaces.com, and I'm getting the uh, phone number here. It's 240-800-6714, 240-800-6714, or again, launchworkplaces.com. Have a great day.